ready? Great. So, hi. Welcome to Binge Buddies, Toretto's shitty tuna sandwich. I'm your host, always, Brian Dressel. With me, as always, <laughs> I had a different name picked for it, but then I just saw this one. I have to go with it. It's Matt, Zombie Dog, Subaru, Brat, Dykes. Hey! <laughs> I mean, I, I did talk over Joel's plugs a little bit, but I'm not a brat. <laughs> yeah, you're a brat with a Z. I'm a twat. <laughs> now I'm just... Uh... I'm not even going to go there. We also have Joel <laughs> Volkswagen Thing DeWitt. So is it that, that's a Volkswagen that just looks like a brick wall then? It's just it's, a thing. It's that, that, that thing, the Marvel thing, right? Not the John Carpenter one, because God, that would be a horrific car. That Apparently, is... it was supposed to be associated with the Fantastic Four, according to this little blurb on this random website that I found. <laughs> so we can definitely believe that. It seems credible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, wow, I done nothing. <laughs> we made it's, Joel speechless. It, it's it's uh it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I see what you did there. That was a good one. Oh, <laughs> uh, but what do we have for Ryan? We I'm between two for Ryan. This is tough. I'm going with this one. All right, so we have Ryan Pontiac Pontiac. Le Man Lutens. I sound foreign. You're you're a French man. Works for me. Le Man. It's probably Le Mans, like the race. We we ho. It's very Keenan Thompson of you. (laughs) You can tell I grew up in the (laughs) nineties. Everyday French. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I used to actually learn French sentences from that because they were so damn funny. Like there's something about just complete random humor like Jack Handy-esque that just gets me. And re- everyday French with Pierre Escagaro was some of the best ever. Like, there's a banjo button. There's a banjo in my belly button. <laughs> like, this is fucking great. Oh. All right. So here we are. Feeling furious today, right? So angry. Six degrees of furious. That <laughs> I, I really like this movie I, I when i was talking with matt when we were kind of chatting a little bit i go back and forth pretty much mid-conversation of do i like fast five or furious six more i honestly don't know i think if i try to look at it as like macro sense as possible five will always get the edge just a little bit because of that the vault chase at the end but six is a through and through solid action thriller thing. A lot of the plot doesn't make sense. What they're really going for doesn't really make sense. How they're planning to stop anything with cars really doesn't make sense. They just got to hop in cars and drive at each other like like they're going to do something. But as long as you're willing to let that shit go, this is a really fun ride. And I, I think that's partially why five will always get the edge because it just made a little more sense. Whereas in six, it's like bad guy, London, get in your car and stop him okay and they just go for it <laughs> it's like th- this one takes a lot of a lot of just going fuck it and i you're as we've talked a lot throughout binge buddies history i'm a viewer who really appreciates fuck it filmmaking um and six definitely dabbles in those waters a lot uh <laughs> device physics uh whole franchise from here on out that, that's <laughs> very true Th- this one really is kind of the beginning of fuck it um 
which I'm here for. And I really like it. This is the last of the Justin Lin run. He does do one more later. He does nine. Um, but this was kind of like the end. And it really, when you look at it in that way, it does kind of feel like the end, like celebration, everything he's brought into this franchise so far, as far as like filmmaking and action sequences and storytelling, it really does kind of come to a peak here and really kind of explode in a finale sort of way. And uh, I'm along for the ride. I, I think everyone they brought into this movie is like the new cast is does a really good job. I'm not a huge fan of uh, Gina Carano in life. She's kind of a butthead. She's great <laughs> in movies. Like she was awesome in this movie. Such a good fit, especially because she's such an unnatural fighter. She did it professionally and she can be a great stunt woman. So putting her up against Michelle Rodriguez and those fight sequences are awesome. Like you really believe she can kick ass. Then you brought in Joe Taslin from the um, from the Raid franchise, and he is such a good fighter. And having him do fight sequences in this, like they really knew that they've done a lot with cars. They're going to do more with cars, but they need to do some shit out of cars. And this movie really answers that and steps up in a big way. And I, I think it's great. Like I watch this thing for the hand to hand fights, and legit enjoy them. They are really really well done here. Uh, I, I love this movie. I have a ton of fun with it. I've watched it a hundred times. I'll probably watch a hundred more times after we talk about it. Uh, but I want to see where you guys land on it. Uh, I'll, uh, okay, I'll go. Um, <laughs> um, you know, this five really reinvigorated the franchise for me. And watching six again, I say, you know, movies are as good as their villain. And holy shit, man, Luke Luke Evans Shaw's a good man, villain. He is fantastic. Luke Evans is like you don't even have to have like what we had with her uh, uh, Reyes in the last film. You don't need that. You understand that he's a mercenary soldier and how he goes about doing what he does as a thief. Brilliant, you know, and it's just his, his demeanor. Like when him and uh, Toretto meet up and have that conversation, you're like, you're expecting something to happen, but you know, it's not going to, because that's not the person that Evans is. He knows like in the back of my mind, you know, that uh, Toretto's got backup. So just everything about this movie, you know, the payoffs, you know, this one, you have more fan service with Braga and uh, Stasiak, you know, it's just the fights, the action sequence, the final uh, action sequence on the world's longest runway is, (laughs) is, it's just, it, it doesn't matter because you're just watching it for the action. You're so invested in these people at this point, because you believe the team, you kind of have that sense of family um but it's just it's so good when they're going against someone who is so smart so yeah yeah, that's my thought joel where'd you land on this one uh i i sort of fall in a similar category as you brian where so far five and six are sort of battling for top of the list right now uh at the moment six is sort of teetering toward where i'm at between the two and it it is by degrees because the the last movie was definitely a lot more of a cohesive you know make sense kind of thing and i liked that a lot in movies when they package things right like that uh but this is a lot of fun it is nice to see them try to bring uh letty back into the conversation and turn it into this kind of you know it's really centered about that love story almost more than an overarching story beyond that it's it's all sort of centered around that and everything around that is tertiary you know it it serves to bring them together and and that's 
that's really all it needs to be and a lot of fun action the racing seems to rev back up again mm-hmm. compared to last movie so it takes a more focal point which is nice and just these characters continue to gel wonderfully together you, you oh, know yeah. that that we talked about it i think in chat but like the the sum of them is greater than they are individually like yeah. they're they're competent actors, they're entertaining on their own, but it is that dynamic between all of them that makes them so great in this. Yeah, uh, Matt, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I think for me, it's it's going to be Fast Five that's going to be better than this, only just because <clears throat> Fast Five looks a bit brighter, and you know, it's got that sort of more fun thing, whereas Six. Six looks a bit dour, and I know it's set in London, so it is going to be dour. It's it's not Rio, <laughs> it's London. It's you know, it's cloudy, it's miserable. You know. <laughs> but I just like there's something about Fast Five that it's got that exotic feel to it, and I think because of that, it just edges above. I mean, also it's got the fucking vault yeah. thing, but everything <laughs> else in in Six is so good, like that. Like, Guys, they got a tank. Like, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, we we improvise. Like, no, get the fuck out of there. You're in sports cars. And I, I love like we improvise, and then that whole family just got pancaked. Stop improvising yeah. and get the fuck yeah. out of the way. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. so many Guys, people died. They only walked away with minor cuts and bruises. It's fine. It's fine. Sure. Go. <laughs> um, sure. Th- those those people like minor cuts and bruises. Oh yeah, and they're flat. <laughs> I didn't say what condition the rest of their body was in. <laughs> There's a minor cut and bruise on their finger, which is four miles over there. <laughs> they have a bruise on their leg that's 13 miles down the road that way. Otherwise, the leg is intact. Uh, there's like this few bits in it where it's like, uh, like I, I know I shouldn't be looking to any sort of realism with these films, but it's just like. You know, the setting in London and then the the basically like they go to a pawn shop to get guns. It's like no UK pawn shop would have a gun in it. Like none. None of them. But, <laughs> like, it's, but especially the ones not in the Fast and Furious so... franchise would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially something so rare as well as like oh, just this one firearm that, that only fires this one type of bullet. I can take I can like leave it alone. Like, you know, it's just I don't know. I think I think, like, when you put something in London being British, like, you put something in England or Britain, like, I'm always going to see those, like, you know, you've got that sort of, like, you know, we're used to seeing American police officers shooting out of cars and stuff like that. British police officers, I'm looking at it going, yeah, every single one of those would be fired. Every single yeah. one of those police officers <laughs> was shooting randomly out of their car <laughs> would be fired. <laughs> But, you know, again, I can kind of, like, leave that alone. It's like, I think for this one, though, like, the action is really good. Like, the hand-to-hand fight stuff is so good. Like, I love that whole sequence in in the underground. It's so, like, and the, the, the little pin in it of, like, where Roman says to Han, or, or Han says to Roman's, like, not a word about this to anyone else, or something like that. that oh, like, it's Roman. Like, like, yeah, it's Roman. We, we don't need to tell anyone about this. <laughs> Not yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just... and it's it's so good. Like you know, you you bring back like a lot of the really great characters, like Giselle and Han. Like their chemistry in this is fucking awesome. So like, good. The, yeah, their introduction, like 
they both see those like the police or whatever they are coming towards them and immediately they're just like like that it's like <laughs> oh this is fucking cool and and like the bring bring back of letty as well like and amnesia is a bit of a kind of thing but at least what i like about this one is they didn't have the amnesia thing where like she sees Dominic's like oh my god i'm starting to remember oh who am i no yeah. she doesn't she still doesn't remember that's what she's said. got that feeling i like that when we talk about as we dive in and just her care, like I, you know, Michelle Rodriguez is okay. Like she's fine. She acts her out hard out and it, everything just feels so natural with that about understanding who she is and the life she's lived versus who she is. It, it, it's just really good. But we're not going to get into that just now. No. Yeah. Uh, well, we're not that far away. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, let's start with Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, but no, like I'm saying, like, You've got a character that's been established in I'm going to say one and a half movies, um, and this is this was the whole the the whole thing that led us into Furious uh, Six is uh, we didn't talk about it in the last episode, but there is a mid credit scene, not a post credit scene, but a mid credit scene <laughs> where uh, we get Ava Mendes back from uh, Part Two uh, goes up to Dom and or oh, goes up to Hobbs and says, "Hey, uh, you know, someone hit a Russian facility. You need to check this out." And he goes, What's nope, Toretto? it's not Toretto. I don't, I don't want it. And he goes, no, you need to look again. And it's a link to Toretto, which is Letty. And so that had everybody, I remember watching that back in the day. I'm like, how are they going to do this? And it all hinges on Michelle Rodriguez's performance. And she nails it. She is someone who is just doing what she's a mercenary. She's there. She's a killer. She's a, a you know, a fighter, a driver. But as you, the look on her face is when she starts to question things is very natural and it feels very real. And it is just, the best piece of acting in the Fran- Fast and Furious franchise, I think I've seen, but I could be very wrong. So that's just my thought when it comes to her characterization. And for her to be the linchpin to bring the, another movie back, it works. And I, I really like, I, I mean, I, I think I, I, based on your your take on Michelle Rodriguez, I might be a bit bigger of a fan of her than you are, but I don't disagree with what you're saying because there is something when she pulls out a performance, it does kind of catch you off guard, but it, it's nice being reminded how good of an actor she can be like why the world blew up when she made girl fight. Cause she was yes. so good in yes. that one movie and like seeing that, that actor come out every now and then, like I say what you will about avatar as a movie. I think she's incredible in avatar. I think she's, she's really fine. good in that. She's and fine. then I thought uh, the new dungeons and dragons movie, she was fucking great in the dungeons and dragons movie. Uh, highly. If you've at all played, D&D, if you have ever liked D and D you need to watch that movie. It is such a fan of D's movie it's so fucking good um but she's great in that and it's it was another one of those moments that like, you described here ryan that i had watching that i'm like she can fucking act and yeah. like you kind of forget not only can she act she's also really charismatic she can be funny like she can throw out her one-liners when she needs to kind of going back to like that first movie where like she can kill a room with a look like we had that, we talked about a lot in the first yep. movie, which is that one look where she just pulls her sunglasses down. It's like, okay, fuck me. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I talk to you? I'm sorry. I came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> How dare I? Um, <laughs> and she kind of has that here again. And like, you get that chemistry. And for my money, this is, this is where I finally go. I get Dom and Letty. Because when I watched the first movie, it feels very forced of like, all right, she's the girl in this movie. She's a badass. She's this. If the badass girl's movie needs to be with a badass guy in this movie, so they're a couple. And that's all you really ever get. Whereas in this movie, you see Dom have to court her again. Like when they do that chase, like where he does, not chase, they do the race slash chase thing throughout the streets of London. 
you see them kind of romantically flirt with each other again. And you see that like, oh, even with amnesia, she is in, inexplicably drawn to him. Like she wants to be with him, even if she doesn't know who she is. It's just like that, like that very like melodramatic, like our bodies are drawn together. Like we are meant to be together. And they play that off in like kind of a cheesy way, but also kind of not. And it works for me. Like from there on out, I'm like, I get Dom and Letty. Do I get it to the point where I'm okay with how they write Alice Pataki out of the movie? Nope. I think that is one of the dumbest <laughs> things I've ever done. But <laughs> at the same this time. This is the most unrealistic thing I've seen in these films is her reaction. Like, you win. And this, yeah. I mean, this is coming from a film that has a runway so long that you, could, you should be able to see that from space. <laughs> but yeah, the most unbelievable thing in this is I love you. We have a life together. Oh, your your ex uh your ex girlfriend is uh oh, it's wife. Alive. You're right. They got married. That's not that's not been said yet. Um, don't, did no. they reveal that in this movie? They reveal it in the next one. Yeah. Um, no. Oh, I don't know. They were married. Yeah, it's the next movie. Shh, Ryan, spoilers. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I corrected myself. Uh, but your ex girlfriend's alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't need you. We're good. I get it. I'd do the same shit to you if my husband came back to life. <laughs> it it made sense in the context of if you see this series as a male centric soap opera, yeah, yeah, you, you know that that sort of oversimplified like oh the one you're you're the ones here I understand yeah <laughs> so you know, I have fulfilled my purpose <laughs> but like I I apologize to Joel and uh, to Joel and Matt for what I have to say next, but it is very important story wise as why I think this problem is even even worse uh, than just it is here of just like yeah you know what your girlfriend's back I'm out she's pregnant she's pregnant so she's pregnant with Dom's baby and she still does this I'm like it just doesn't work for me. Like it's just, it's the only plot point in all of the fast and furious movies, which is a lot of stupid plot points that I go, this one doesn't work for me. Do we know that she knows that she's pregnant yet? Because you know, when they were laying butt ass naked, which only yes. time I'll ever be jealous of Vin Diesel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, you when should she's... be more jealous of Chris Hemsworth, just saying, would it, would uh... it be, would it be because of that morning? You know, with their little tryst, you know, she might not even figure out that, I mean, because this movie takes place what? I mean, they have fast travel. I get they have fast travel. But two weeks, she's not going to know until next month. She's not going to come and try to disturb I, that out. You, you, can assume the, this, you can assume this taste plates maybe months after. That yeah, That's so sort of where my mind went to. The, the bigger problem is when does Fast 8 take place? Because that's yes. really when you find out. Because there's a whole right. movie in between we find out that she was pregnant when they broke up. So like the the timetable in here gets really wonky and doesn't really work at all if you spend even a minute thinking about it. But I mean, the don't don't try and think about the timetable because three movies ago Han died and he's still yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> so well, there's a, good point. Yeah, there's a lot of fuzziness here. But either way, for this for any of it to work, she had to get pregnant while they were still together because Dom's not going to cheat on Letty. So at this point, she's yeah, pregnant. He did. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, you get what I'm saying. So like, it just doesn't, it's always kind of bothered me. Uh, really ever since I saw fast date, I'm like, whole that kind of, that pro that scene was already problematic, but then you throw in that she's pregnant on top of it. And it's just like, I need to let this go. I'm here to watch cars go room. Like I need to just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it it's, does. A, it's a it's a fair point. It crossed my mind too. All right, so let, let's start diving kind of more into this. If we've talked the the main push of the movie is that the rest of the crew shows up because they get a phone call and they do their "you son of a bitch, I'm in" sequence, and then they're all here again, with the exception of Leo and um, Santos. Leo and Santos, where they they get lip service. Anyone heard from Leo and Santos? Nope. arrested for vagrancy in monaco after they lost all their money i'm telling you that's what happened yeah uh, you're probably not wrong but it's still kind of a bummer (laughs) we don't hear anything from them um i love roman's fucking plane i thought he'd rented it at first and then it's like he's no he's bought it he's bought a plane it's like no roman's on the same fast track to poverty it's just he's having a lot more fun with his money yes (laughs) (laughs) it's roman bitches (laughs) i mean it's kind of like it was kind of like the end of the last movie when they're going through like all the money they spent and then roman shows up in his car and then luda has bought the same car i guess there's two in the country (laughs) (laughs) but now yeah now roman's buying planes but i also like that he's you still get that ridiculous draw to family of like he's taking these women to some foreign country to like roll out the red carpet for them and have a great time then he gets a call from toretto and he's like turn around we're going back and it's just like, I, I love that. Like, it's so dumb, but it's just like, oh, who's on my caller ID? I'm canceling all my plans. Toretto called. And it's mm-hmm. like, I enjoy it. It's fun. What I like about that is always like, he's big enough that they're going to go to Macau and to the casinos and all this yep. stuff. And it's like, turn around. It's like, yep. so we're not going to make it to Macau, but uh, I got some coupons for the buffet. The buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his breast pocket of his coat. <laughs> yep. Uh, These are gonna go to waste now, so you might as well have them. He is just too funny. <laughs> um, but then we get everybody together, and we get them together in this uh secret spy headquarter thing that Hob has set up for them in London. Sure, why not? Um, but then we get the the unbelievable joy of The Rock and Tyrese, and them quipping with each other is just they're so. Funny, like it's so good, and like I'm I'm gonna bring this back up at the end of the episode for my favorite moment. But like Hobbs is trying to brief them, like you would like a secret agent team, not a bunch of street race criminals. But he's trying to like brief them, and Tyrese is just not paying attention because he wants food, and like that entire sequence is just so. He's like asking Ludacris for money. I thought you're a millionaire. That's how you stay a millionaire. Like like... (laughs) (laughs) it starts. It starts off though with him asking, like trying to get something from Hans. Snacks and Han just yeah. sort of like holds the packet upside down. And yeah. it's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't figure out how to get the fucking vending machine to work. So the rock just shoots it. It's just like, <laughs> that's pretty good. This is all great. Like, this is all good. It's stuff. on the house. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love is like that keeps coming back because you keep seeing people just going to that still shut out vending yeah. machine later on the <laughs> just film. Just like stuff. Reaching, <laughs> getting stuff like th- this movie if fast five introduced bringing fan service into the movie but like doing it well fast six capitalizes on it like it, the whole movie oh, yeah. is just chock full of fan service but again like i feel like here in 2023 when we see fan service we think like rise of skywalker where like the movie just is fan service it's not a movie and like you go back to these movies here and it's like no this used to be integrated like this is very much fan service yeah. but in service of the plot Case in point, we've done Nos in these movies, all of them. What else is? What else can we do with Nos? Harpoon gun? 
Can we make a NOS powered <laughs> Haupun gun? Fuck it, why not? It's like, <laughs> like that's the type of fan service I'm here for now. Like, let's just take something that we know we've used and just do something stupid with it. And it's, it's awesome. All about the the NOS uh, Harpoon as well. It's the it's fucking <laughs> Tyrese just fucking around with it and it goes off and nearly <laughs> nearly <laughs> kills. <laughs> <Hobbs>. <laughs> He walks away. <laughs> oh, it's some good shit. <laughs> so good. Oh, goddamn. Um, but yeah, like to capitalize even more on the fan service, you had this little undercurrent throughout the movie that Tyrese will eventually just call out and spell it out for you if you haven't caught it yet and that is something that justin lynn and chris morgan did that was just absolutely brilliant which was like what's the only thing that can compete with the family a different family and they just take the fast and furious crew and just make another one like they even have like oh we need somebody fuck somebody's got to fight the rock but he needs to be physically intimidating to the rock find me the biggest person you can all right <laughs> kim cold you're hired it's like can you act doesn't matter you're made of muscle <laughs> and it's like the giant shit yeah yeah <laughs> it's like well it's like it's like the, the, the problem with the uh the arnold schwarzenegger films and the Sylvester Stallone films of the 80s they yeah. always needed someone bigger than them so you know you'd have like that sven guy i can't remember his, his proper his full name but like he shows up in so many of those films just because he's a big guy yeah who, who looks imposing against Arnold Schwarzenegger? And he's like, he's in so many Arnold Schwarzenegger films just because he's huge. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I get it. It's <laughs> like the they... guy from the actor from uh, Bloodsport who fights uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, that guy. It's like, you're here yeah. just because you're huge. Yeah. <laughs> he got so many roles because of that. <laughs> they even have that great scene in this movie where Roman just goes through the list and tells everybody yeah. who they are. <laughs> and then Brian gets compared to the. The blonde woman, because yeah, blonde woman. Yeah, we all need a pretty blonde or something. Like yeah, <laughs> when'd you get that photo shoot taken? <laughs> <laughs> but then, even on top of all that, I love the callback to four, validating my my little gem part four, uh, <laughs> with the most random like, yeah, you're gonna get yourself arrested. But I do like that they like if they're gonna do a callback to four, they do it well. They even bring back the cop from four that he said the problem. It's the with. villain. Well, yeah, because the villain again. Um, but even like the, the bad cop that he punched in four, he has to punch again here and break his <laughs> nose again. I love Shay Whitman. He's good. <laughs> he's like, sorry about this guy. <laughs> sorry about this dude. And he's like, again? Again? <laughs> I just finished paying off the the cosmetic surgery for the last time. God damn it. But it's uh, again calling back to like what I mentioned last week when we're talking about Paul Walker and these and like the stuff he brings to this movie. That whole Braga sideline, it only works because of Paul Walker, because of his ex-copness yes. and because of his physicality. That fight they have in the jail cell, which is, again, I mean, it's yeah. funny that we have somebody from the raid in this because this is another very raid-esque fight sequence. You can tell Justin Lin liked the raid. Um, but like that's that, that scene... close quarters element. It, it's yeah. really tight, really sort of dirty and gritty and... You know, not something you expect in essentially a PG-13 action film as well, because it is kind of like The Raid, which is properly not PG-13. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that really sort of like dirty, gritty, just going to like fighting for your life, essentially, because you're in such 
tight confined spaces oh yeah and like it, and you even get like some story out of it in a way like you can look at it of like they need punchable henchmen or you can look at it in the way of braga's gone up against him before and knows he can't just bring one hit guy so he brings multiple muscle because he knows brian can fight and then they open that door and oh shit brian can really fight he takes out the other two guys and he has braga pinned on the bed and i love that you're not going to do it he's like Fuck you, yes, I will. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> what I like as well with that is like Bragg is still thinking of Brian as a cop. Yeah. And he's yeah. no longer a cop. He's yeah. he's the other he's side the of the coin now. He's he's gone criminal. So it's like, you know, he's still sort of going, <laughs> he might as well just gone, hey, you're a cop. You're not gonna do it. It's like, really? Really? Is he a badge? <laughs> fuck you, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm really good at this. He stabbed him on the inside of the leg, depending where he yep. he might have just yeah. killed Braga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The minute he did that, I'm thinking, oh, so tourniquet or yeah. he's going to bleed to death. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, the femoral artery. Like, uh, there's a big artery right there that Brian <laughs> hopefully knows about. <laughs> well, it's, like, like, it's the standard action movie thing, though. It's like, you know, how are you going to disable him? I'll shoot him in the leg. You know, there's a big ass fucking artery in there that if you shoot him, like, you're not going to disable him. You're just going to make him die slower. Yeah. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's just going to call it an, I've got arterial bleeding. Like, <laughs> Good medical assessment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's got a big boo boo. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot coming out, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> he's leaking. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I do like the sideline and just like this kind of like weird. We're just gonna bring four into this. Like we're gonna make this more of a legacy. Like this is kind of the whole like this is a saga, which they don't really call out till part nine of the franchise. <laughs> But like I do enjoy that like they're really trying to make sure that if you've been involved in these things, if you've been watching them from the beginning, you are getting some payoff here. As much as five was a standalone, six kind of goes, this could be a standalone too. It could just be a sequel to five, or it's also kind of a sequel to all of it. Like it's a really well done way that you could have only seen one of these. This could be your first, or you can be a fan of all, and it still works. Like that's Justin Lin and Chris Morgan deserve more credit than I think they get for pulling that off twice, really between six, uh, five and six. I mean, he uh, does really well what what they try to do with Spectre um, and did really badly in Spectre, I, <laughs> I think, to be honest. Like, making that idea of, like, you know, the previous films, they're all tied together. They they yeah. are, like, you know, there are there's links here to everything that's happening is all connected to this this sort of, like, element. Um, and it's, it's really well done because it even kind of, like, ties a little bit to five as well. You know, the, the idea, like, you know, this guy, he knows about them and you only get as close as he wants you to be to them as well. And, you know, it, it's it makes Shaw a more imposing villain because it, it, it shows him as intelligent. And I think, yeah. like, you know, when you, when you have an intelligent villain, it's a lot more interesting than just some guy who's like, I'm going to beat you up and kill you because it's that that's like the, it's the brain part of the villain. That's why... You know, I mentioned it last week. Hans Gruber in Die Hard is so good because he's fucking intelligent. Like he's thought of everything, and you get that from Shaw here too. Like the he's yeah. thought of everything. Oh, like you even get it from like the crew building. Like exactly what we were talking about earlier. Like the the knowledge of what it takes to make a good crew. He's gone and made that, and just so happens that Toretto did the same thing. So like he wasn't making that as a response to Toretto. He just knew what goes into making a good crew, and it just happened to line up. And I I like that sort of approach of like, oh no, like this kind of by making Shaw intelligent and crew building, it kind of makes, it kind of validates Dominic in a way 
of like, oh, look, he made the same crew. So he must be as intelligent as Shaw. We know that's not true, but it kind of, it elevates their own crew that much more. Like no matter how much, it's kind of like the, the Black Adam problem of no matter how many times Black Adam can stand in a room and go, I'm not a hero. It's like, but you're being the hero. No matter how many times we can have Vin Diesel go like, you got the greatest crew in the world. Give him a reason to stay. It's like, you're a bunch of street racers. Are you the greatest crew in the world? And then <laughs> as you start seeing Shaw's crew, it's like, oh, I get it. Like, this is kind of validating everybody in this sort of unwritten, like, uncalled out way. But it still works. Like, this is the sort of shit that makes people like us go, I buy it. So it's really mm. well done. It, right. It's also, it's playing out that whole, like, family versus function. You I know, because they, they, they have that moment where uh, Shaw and... Dom are standing there talking to each other and the whole like, look, that's your weakness is that you care about these people. Yep. You know, my strength is that these people are interchangeable. I lose one. I'll go find somebody that has the same function and we'll keep rolling. Yep. And it's not a new concept, but it, it works well within the structure. And they showcase it really well when they kill the, the one guy from his crew, the guy who was like creating those harpoon guns, he gets fucking lit up. And he dies. And when Michelle Rodriguez reports that to Shaw, Shaw's response is, okay, thanks. She's like, you're not upset about this? He's a crew member. He's part of the quote-unquote family. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. you just told me I have to fill a job now. That's it. Whereas Toretto would be heartbroken by that for a scene or two. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe a scene in the next one where he's remembering them. Yeah, he might remember just... it at some point. You're like, uh, do, you remember, do you remember Leo? Nope. Uh, <laughs> who? <laughs> uh, old family. Um, but I, but I've got to say, like this film as well, the family thing, they really started pushing, like hitting that. There's, there's one scene where the word family is said three times in one, <laughs> in, in like one line of dialogue or one exchange or something. Like I've just found my note, it's just family, family, family. I should be taking a tally of how many times they say it because this one. It's you way know, more obvious that they're using, they're using uh, like the, the the term family. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'd love I to see a supercut. Like... I'd love to see a supercut of this entire series of every time they say family. I wonder how long. I bet someone's done it. I bet you can AI to do it now. Assuming that's all the rage on YouTube. Um, just please don't. Uh, <laughs> just please don't. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't want Terminator. Nope. The one thing in this movie that we haven't really talked about, like we, we've talked a lot about how Tyrese works well with everybody. We did it last week. The one who gets to work a little bit more in this one, and I think was very, very smart, was they brought Luda up a lot. Like Luda's been present in every movie he's been in because you can't have Luda and not have him be present. Luda is a scene stealer just by design. He is just, he's just awesome. I fucking love Luda. If you ever got to see him in concert, he puts on a hell of a show. Um, he's like Q. Yeah. <laughs> but... But Luda and The Rock going car shopping might be oh one of my, my favorite God. sequences. Oh, That's that my host. moment. <laughs> that just... is so good. The snotty British guy basically <laughs> judging them. God, it's so uh, And then later as well, where he's, where he's like, um, I'll take your shirt. Like, I'll take the shirt. It'll fit. <laughs> well, I don't think this will fit. It's like, it'll fit. And then it's like, and the pants. And the watch, too. <laughs> But the two of them playing off each other so well, because Hobbs is, you know, his his hard, fast, like, I do exactly what I'm told and not a, nothing less. 
has changed a lot between this movie and the last one where he's a little bit more willing to dip into the gray areas, especially working with Toretto's crew and whatnot. But mm-hmm. he's not so far that he's going to let Luda go steal all of those cars. So he's like, I'm going with you. I'm not going to let you do this. Like, we're going to figure this out legally, right? And like, Luda seemed like, I got it. I got it. And like, even Hobbs, like, when they're in like the house where they're trying to be like, how are we going to get these cars? And Luda's like, Hobbs, I said I got it. <laughs> and they go, it's just like that line of Hobbs of like, so the way you got it was you're just going to buy them? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It's just it's like so like counter programming to what we've gotten throughout these movies of whenever they need something, they go fucking steal it. This is the one time they just go buy it. It's like we're mil- we we pulled off the last movie, guys. We can afford it. It's it's a great moment. I do like how many times he tells him to not steal the cars as well. There's like like in that sequence, like three or four times he's like, You're not gonna steal these cars. <laughs> got it um <laughs> uh, what have we missed character wise what what haven't we talked about go for it giselle and han. han yeah oh wow oh, <laughs> this, you got it in stereo makes... baby <laughs> uh this makes tokyo drift relevant yeah this this movie is the movie that makes tokyo drift relevant uh and it's not it's giselle and han's relationship they don't you know, you know that they like each other, you know, you know that they're an item, but it's the fact that they're willing to defend each other. They save each other multiple times in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie that really does relationships right. Um, because, you know, in the last film, Mia had her kids. So you see Brian switch that role to being a father, you know, it, you know, whether it's uh, Jack choosing it's Jack, right? Jack's the baby's name. Yeah. Cause his name's Jack. Um, you know, Jack choosing, you know, a, a you know, um, a skyline versus a charger. Mm-hmm. So you see these new relationships happen, but with Giselle and with Giselle and Han, it's more endearing. And especially with what happens at the end of the movie, can we spoil it? Can we just say it? You know, um, in the in the final fight, you know, Han saves Giselle from a sniper. Giselle sna- saves Han, but at the very end, Giselle. We don't. I. I'm. I'm a firm believer. You don't see the body. They're not dead. But she, assumingly, you know, lets go of Han as she's hanging from a car while they're flying through the air to kill the guy that's about to kill Han. So she seemingly makes the sacrifice play, which makes him wanting to go to Tokyo even better because it's what they were going to do. They've been talking about it for three films, and that's where he went just to kind of. Um, it made it more meaningful why he's there is just to to for her memory, and it just it's such a heartbreaking thing to see, but then he comes back. So part of me think, okay, in 11 or 12, is Giselle going to come back either way. You don't see a body, you know, we saw Owen fly through and get all jacked up and he makes a return. So uh, in the next movie, in fact, but we'll get there. Um, But yeah, I I just really enjoy how subtle they really played at their relationship and how, how that in turn makes part three more meaningful. Yeah. And it was one of those relationships where it it felt, organic to the movie yes like it, it didn't feel like because when she shows up and luda and tyrese see her they both do like the damn moment and it's like yeah it's Gal when do those legs open yeah like they i pull this trigger yeah it's like <laughs> do you want me to open them like it's such a great like okay but then with han it's instantly different like they, yes. they just they connect and you see it almost immediately in part five and then in six it's just like this was the natural progression and like seeing them together like you can see why there's a lot of fans 
for Han and Giselle. Like they worked really well and it's a fun relationship. But like when I'm sitting in the theater watching this again, I hadn't watched trailers for it because I didn't start really watching them until I think part eight. Um, because I wanted to see what it looked like without Paul Walker in it. Um but I knew what was going on with the actor. Like I knew Gal Gadot had said this is probably her last one. I knew that she had Wonder Woman, she had all the DC stuff coming. And I knew she wasn't in Tokyo Drift. And this was supposed to be the one that took place before Tokyo Drift. So knowing all that and sitting down to watch this movie, even if I hadn't seen the trailer, I'm going, she's not going to make it through this movie. And the movie, smartly or not smartly, knows that we know this. Because they put her in so many situations like, oh, shit, she's going to, yes. oh, no, she's fine. Yep. Oh, shit, oh, no, she's yep. fine. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. so knowing what you know going into this, being a fan of the franchise, if all you knew was that Tokyo Drift is coming, you already know enough to be like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And then it still happens. And it's just like, damn. Yep. Again, well it, gives you, it gives you that, like, because of where it happens, or it gives you that little bit of hope that maybe she'll actually make it out. Of like you know there'll be some some other reason why she doesn't show up in Tokyo Drift, but no, no. no. I saw somewhere like when somebody, I I remember seeing this because like you know how they have like reaction videos. Well, somebody actually did a reaction for Fast Six, so somebody had seen it and then came back when in another theater when people were seeing it for the first time. And when that happens, the guy yells, "Tuck and roll!" <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> all right. So beyond uh, Han Giselle, is there anybody else we need to talk about before we start moving into the action sequences of this thing? I just want to like look, Samoan Thor is is how <laughs> is how Hobbs is saved in Tedge's phone. Fucking brilliant. So good. <laughs> um, oh, you know we we did miss one character. We do have to talk about. Like I mentioned her, but we didn't really talk about Gina Carano. Um, do we have to? She's I mean, fine. She's fine. Oh, she, okay. she, she served her no, purpose the per- for the movie. Yeah, person, I, I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't find. I don't, no, we don't talk about the person. Talk about the character. Just character. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't this find her is, character. She served anything her special. purpose. Yeah, that, that's what it was. It was very militant. Like that. That's what she was there for. She served that purpose. She's supposed to be just sort of the the sidekick, cold calculating to Hobbs. You know, it's it's not meant to be this sort of juxtaposition she's just a, a foot soldier but even then the yeah, flip the, side too even the flip side when she shows that she's the rat like it just goes you know you're like there's someone on the inside there's someone that he he wants you to get closer she serves that purpose because that when that when the reveal happens he's just looking behind him and the camera focuses on letty but then it goes back to him and the camera's focus on her and she goes coming it just it, it served its purpose we knew that there had to have been a rat and it was perfect that it was her it's good writing yeah and mm. Like as much as like I I liked the character I, I think she was kind of fun in this movie and she kind of filled like the Elsa Pataki role from five like so that worked it was just kind of fun. like at the time now I feel a little different but at the time it was fun seeing her in this movie and then seeing her like really know how to use somebody who has that physicality just available and like her fight sequences are fucking good oh yeah like. And like yeah. as much credit as I want to give to her, like Michelle Rodriguez has some hand-to-hand fight sequences throughout this franchise, and she brings it every time. Like when Michelle Rodriguez is in a fight sequence, I am interested because every time it's good. She has one later with Ronda Rousey that's just like it's awesome. When she when she's fighting in the subway, which we'll get to because that fight sequence yeah. and she throws her hand up to grab the other end of the handcuff. I'm like, I'm out. Like I'll do I go this way to lose or how do yeah. I do that? <laughs> <laughs> 
It just turns into like a knuckle duster. It's fucking great. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's all a very cool fight scene. And that scene, you think for a few moments that like Letty's gonna get captured and brought in Mm -hmm. because she's getting overwhelmed pretty much the entire time. She is out of her depth against Gina Carano's character. And as most people would, she's a UFC fighter, she can kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's dive back. Let's start talking action sequence in this thing. Um this movie again, if you hadn't seen the trailers, it sets up what I still think is the best gimmick car in the franchise. There's a lot of gimmick cars in this franchise. This movie has the best one. Um, and it sets it up very well where the rock and uh, Gina Carano's character are walking through wherever the heist happened. And she's just looking around and there's a car stuck in a building, like all way up high. <laughs> and she just throws a line like, how the hell did that get up there? And the movie doesn't answer that beyond you see Shaw talking to someone while sitting in a car that looks like it has a big fucking ramp on the front of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it doesn't tell you what it's going to do. He doesn't talk about it. They just show you. And as soon as they start showing you, it's like, well, that's fucking insane. Makes Did sense. Did you guys now. ever see the TV show BattleBots? Yes. That Those are the type of cars that would always win. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they always had the leverage to go and just flip them over to the side and, and it's yeah winner big winner and it's the whole action sequence throughout london when they're just flipping cars is just awesome and then as you're going like this is some of the coolest action i've seen they bring in another one now they have two flipping cars and it's like fucking hell (laughs) two flipping cars (laughs) but but also the team has no idea what to do with it yeah, nope at all you know they're they're completely thrown off guard they they got those guns that uh shoot the sensor into the cars yep. as well and then forces the turn on them and there's also they have they give brian that cool moment where he knocks it off of his uh side yeah. view mirror so he can keep going that, that it's we say it's a lot but it's a very smart chase seedlings yeah uh, it, mm. and just like the he's finally closing in on Joe Haslam's character. And he's like, Brian's right behind him. He's going to get him. And he's getting closer and closer. And then he just quickly pulls out of the way. And the ramp car is driving just dead at Brian. It's such a great moment of like, Oh, he's fucked (laughs) (laughs) sailing through the air. Like the the camera on is upside down. Just his face is so good. Almost as good as Vin Diesel jumping. It's so good. It's just like, it's just one of those sequences where it's like, it's an ego check for the team that has basically been flawless this far. Mm-hmm. Their biggest problems that they've really ran into when trying to like do whatever it is they're doing was a guy with a shotgun at the end of the first movie who just got a little too little too accurate with his aim. It's about it. Like they're like they don't really get taken down once they get in the cars. They usually win. Yeah. And this is the first time where it's like, nope, we got better drivers and we have better cars. And it's like, oh it's shit. Like- it's like what Hobbs says in five is there's a line where he says, we do not let them get into cars because yeah. the idea is like once they're in a car, they're, they're unstoppable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this movie really throws that out the window like, very yeah. quickly. And then by the end of the movie, like we're jumping over an action scenes, we're coming back to the subway. Cause I just need to mention it. If it's not a flip car, they'll just crush it with a tank. Like they yeah. Shaw is smart enough to go like, get the cars out of the picture. Then we're, we're fine. Um, something every other villain throughout the rest of the franchise seems to forget, but Shaw knew it here. Like, get the cars yep, out yep. of the picture. Um, but if we're not talking about that first action sequence, the next one that always comes to mind for me is that all the hand to hand fighting throughout the underground, it is just all of it is good. And it's the only time we really see our main characters lose because of that stupid punch counting I talked about last week. Like we actually see people lose their fights and it's fun. 
Yeah. And and the way they lose their fights. So I there's something really special about showing the two heroes completely out of their depths <laughs> and just being clowned on <laughs> entirely. Like, like by Roman, one guy as well. Like by, two by one. Against... And it's even that great, like he's throwing them into each other. Yeah. <laughs> kind of stuff. It, it, it's, it's, it's great. It really is. And just like, I mean, he's set up as a formidable fighter when he takes down, is it three or four police officers? Four. Uh, yeah. Four police officers takes them down. Then it's like just the two of them, they're like, Okay, this might be difficult. <laughs> but I like two thirds of the way through the fight, they've both just been completely destroyed. You go. Just that you go, you go. Just like that. <laughs> there's just a crowd watching him too. Yeah. Like no, nobody's running. It's just like a, a fight at school. <laughs> All the kids watching. I'm having space the crowd just like going fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Fight, fight. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been on the London Underground. I would imagine the crowd was like going fight, 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 fight. <laughs> But it's such a good fight, like that, so well choreographed. Getting the guy from the raid to be in it was smart. Like that guy can really, really put on a believable like movie fight. He was really good in this. Uh, Tyrese and uh, Han, they they hold up. Like they don't do that bad. It, it works well enough to that they look like they'd lose that fight. They sure do. <laughs> um, but then on the flip side, we have Michelle Rodriguez and uh, and Gina Carano and their fight. And that, like we talked about, is also a really good fight. Like you legit believe Michelle Rodriguez is going to lose this fight and by and large does mm, yeah. like, it's just the fact that at that point, the uh, Gina Carano character is the one on our side and she's quote unquote on the villain team. But either way, all of the characters that we normally like and root for lose their fights in this sequence. Yeah. Like if it, Michelle Rodriguez didn't run yeah. the fuck away and get onto a train. She lost. There's, yeah. there's, there's not winning that one. It, it that, that bit where they go down the stairs as well. I'm oh, charges. Yep. Yeah, because it's like that concrete stairs, them yeah. solid concrete stairs. And they're going, Oh, that's gonna hurt. Oh yeah. Like I've been downstairs on the London Underground. I'm like, I don't want to fall down those stairs. <laughs> I'll break everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they both get up and just we're fine. But yeah. it's like... <laughs> Got a train to catch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and what I really like about these fights is that it just shows how oh, kind of like they, they've won from here on out. Now they actually have to do something different. And what's great, though, is this is the first movie we really see them one step behind. Mm -hmm. They still catch on. Like the whole thing with the tank and how we get introduced to the tank is, oh, we caught this guy in this base. Let's put our guys on high security and get the chip out of here. He's gonna attack the convoy. So yeah, I, I just, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it just shows the dynamic and shift. Again, great villain. Um, but again, we improvise, and a lot of that too makes sense for this crew because when they improvise, they can get stuff done. But when it comes to stuff and you're fighting hand to hand, it's difficult. So I, I really enjoy just the turn of events as this, as the subway scene happens, as as we move on, we're just dealing with things that are over our head, and you feel that for the group. Yeah, and then the. The bridge sequence, that action sequence, I mean, it's no it's no bank vault. But if you're not <laughs> if you're not counting the bank vault, this is one of the best car action sequences ever. The cars versus the tank is so much fun to watch mm -hmm. because it's so insanely over the top, but still somehow grounded in the fast and furious reality. Not our reality, but the fast and furious reality. I'm into it. I'm believing all of it. It, even the slight ridiculousness of tank his pancaking car after car after car until it gets to Tyrese's car and then it just kind of bumps it. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's just it can't get over just quite until Tyrese jumps from his car it ran, into Paul it ran Walker's of, car. It ran out of Nas. There you go. <laughs> Not enough Nas in the tank. Uh, <laughs> that works on a couple levels. Uh, no, no, no. What it is is Tyrese's car had uh, had some additional uh, armor. It's, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a, it's a new thing. It's called plot armor. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> But like Tyrese in his car screaming on the radio, there's a tank on my ass is just like, <laughs> <laughs> it just, it brought this already very ridiculous action movie with the flipping cars just up just enough to another level where I'm like, this is, this is exactly what I want out of this. And just, it's almost hard to watch like all of these people just getting fucking murdered by this tank. Yeah. And Shaw yeah. just like, wee. This is fun. <laughs> like, what did I tell says, you? They all walk Let's away. have some fun. Like, holy shit. <laughs> Keep in mind, later movies, we like Shaw. He's a good guy later. <laughs> well, That's coming. What, what, what country was that in again? Eh, it's not America. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Multiple not... counts of vehicular mo- um, manslaughter. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. He's a good guy now. You know, he's on the. He's part of the family. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. He hit his head and he's a different person. He's no longer nope. a killer. He is still straight up Shaw. They just, you know, they're, they're just friends now. For when... Falling from a plane and going comatose really changes a person. It, it does. <laughs> it does. Um, makes, it makes you take stock of what matters inside here. <laughs> on the next it turns out it's family. On the next episode of Binge Buddies. <laughs> We're going to get in touch with our inner selves. It's, 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 important. <laughs> it's important, especially when talking Fast and Furious. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of that tank sequence is great. Like it, it's, it's, it's smart how they introduce it with the Luda, the guys, we got a tank. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and it's just fun. Like, and even down to the tank shooting at them, like all of it is just, it's just pure level, just stupid fun. And, and and I love all of it. Like the way that like Brian even uses some of the crumbled bridge to change lanes by jumping over it. And you can clearly tell his little car is flipping over, but just in between scenes, no, he's fine now. It's like, yeah, the stunt car definitely flipped, but the one in the movie, we're good. And <laughs> and I can make I can make my peace with all of that because in my mind one of the stunt cars flipped. What yeah. But in <laughs> the my second mind, one landed okay-ish. Okay-ish. <laughs> but in my mind, what I what I'm taking that is. They flipped a car. This wasn't a cartoon car. They actually went out and physically launched a car to the air and got it on film. Like the fact that this movie still cares about doing practical stunts just warms my heart. Like even in a sequence like this with the tanks, it's like it's nice to still see that physicality there. Like it just it makes it that much better. Well, there was a thing that I read Justin Lin basically in five basically said i'm going as ml- as little cg as possible yeah because there was a lot of backlash after the tunnel sequence in four which there should have been like that quite... was earned yes it was awful can you, can you say that was, again brian really you heard me <laughs> <laughs> because it was like quite clearly cg and like bad cg so he basically made a, a conscious decision to be like right we can do this practically. Depend doesn't matter how much it costs in in terms of like what we have budget wise. If it's possible to do this practically, we're doing it practically, and we yeah. can tidy up a little bits with CGI, but we're not CGIing cars. Like that, so all the car stuff, it's like we do it, and that holds throughout all of his movies except for four, 
And then it's kind of jarring then when you watch James Wan's movies next week, or it might be two weeks, depends on how scheduling works. Don't worry about that. Uh, but the next episode, when we watch part seven, it gets way more CG and the rest of them get way more CG and it's, it's okay. Like it works enough, but you definitely do feel that, that shift of like Brian's car launching to get from lane to lane is crazy in CG. It's crazy, but it's practical, not very CG. We get plenty of CG in this movie. We still haven't talked about Vin Diesel flying through the air. Uh, <laughs> We're getting there though. Super Vin! Almost there. Uh, but like, you feel like that tactile nature of it definitely just it elevates this action sequence which could be crazy ridiculousness like to the point where you kind of tune out but it grounds it just enough because they are real cars i mean how many times in the terminator series do we talk about the cg versus practical and like you know oh, the, yeah. the practical having that weight to it it's got just the physicality of the weight of like you know you can tell when something's real whereas with cg it feels like a cartoon yeah like everything there's no real like like fights in CG, it's so like people have been have been thrown at like completely unrealistic and unbelievable heights and speeds, and you're yeah. hitting. It's like because you're designing it in a computer, you're not having to actually physically do anything. So in a computer, you can make anything possible, which is good in theory, but actually, it takes like me. It takes me out of the film when it's a CG yeah. fight. I imagine there's people out there who love that sort of stuff. Oh, fair play to you, enjoy. But for me, it's like I need to feel some sort of physicality because the moment I'm sort of like thinking, well, this is just CG, it's not, I'm not connecting that, I'm not connecting to anything emotionally or anything like that because I'm just, there's no stakes anymore. There, not, not just the weight and, though, there, there's wow. a flat, there's a flatness. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. You're watching right the the feel of view is a little off like the terminator stuff or this you know you can see the trajectory of things a lot more cleanly where you see some like marvel movies or there are even parts of the lord of the rings when you see cgi being done compared to the practical backgrounds and it's it's glaringly obvious when you've got that sort of uh depth versus the flatness of cg yeah and it's a uh... It's one of those things where it's fine. Like, I, like, it's exactly what Matt was saying. Like, it's fine. Like, I can have a ton of fun watching a CGI mess on screen. I can have a ton of fun watching practical. Just mm-hmm. for my money, I'm going to choose practical every time over the CG mess. And that's, it could be a preference thing. Um, but it, for me, it, it definitely made this tank sequence that much better. Um, and there's a shitload of CGI throughout it. Like, we're not kidding ourselves here. But it's still like, they, whenever it could be practical, it was. And it made it that much better. But then we get to the end of the sequence with the the car launch, and <laughs> fuck if they tried to do that practical, they would have been out of their minds. Because it's <laughs> at this point, this is the dumbest thing that's happened in a Fast and Furious franchise, and it's Vin Diesel flying through the air, grabbing Michelle Rodriguez, and then landing on a car to break their fall. It is the most ridiculous stunt. I still enjoy I it. And, and the second- I love that line the way how did you know the car was there just, yeah where she tries to just justify it like how did you know the car was there to break your fall motherfucker he'd still be dead <laughs> <laughs> it's and a the, car not a mattress <laughs> and the second they sent letty out of that tank you knew she was going flying oh yeah no, no <laughs> doubt there, there's there was no ambiguity about what was going to happen just like okay here's the saving moment where they somehow have her you know cannoned out of there and i just that was my that was my one moment where i was just like oh come on (laughs) (laughs) you know everything else you can suspend disbelieve it's a fun action movie but like 
no, you you launch them and and they're as pancaked as anybody who got ran over by tanks. I just think of Ricky Bobby. I'm flying through the air. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I whenever I get to this sequence in this movie, I'm always reminded if you haven't listened to the episodes of How Did This Get Made, where they talk the Fast and Furious franchise, they they do all of them and they are massive fans of this franchise. Like they love this shit out of them. Uh famously jason manzoukas when they watched this in theaters when they got to this scene he's very proud of this he stood up cheered and clapped just yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, there's shark jumping and then there's this and it's just it's so remarkably stupid that i'm like i love it and even like you can tell they tried like uh when he lands on the windshield it's gonna break a little bit like it kind of it cushioned his fall like there was just someone who's like Oh, that should have went through. Yeah, just just give they me something to make it just one percent believable. That's just give me a percent. All right, that it's gonna break like a net. That'll work. I'll take it. All right, thank mm. you. We have a movie. <laughs> well, I think would have been brilliant, and it would have been totally stupid. But I think it would have been so much better, and just in keeping with the unrealisticness of this, if he just happened to land in the back of a truck that was just full of packing peanuts. <laughs> or just like a mattress delivery service or something like that but it's just an open top truck and it just goes doink so what what kind of car is like current cars they've got a crumple zone when you get into a car crash it's not like that steel where it's like bam it it, it's when you get hit the vehicle is designed to crumple and it ruins the car but it saves everybody in it so Maybe yeah, it's like absorbing the yeah. So it's like <laughs> he's landing on wait, the crumple zone. So are you saying Vin Diesel has a crumple zone or the car <laughs> has a crumple zone? Both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about the time that I fell three feet onto like you know I slipped on some stairs, fell three feet, and banged my coccyx, and like I couldn't walk very easily for six weeks because it hurt. Yeah. He landed on a fucking car on his ass. like, <laughs> And he's not done. We still have a whole other action sequence we have to talk about that he also walks away from just fine. Uh, like in very cinematic fashion, too. Oh, yeah. As great as the tank sequence is, it's not the most unbelievable thing in this movie. We still have the plane sequence where Shaw is going to get away and the crew has to stop him. How do they stop a fucking plane? With it's not a plane, guns. it's a planet. <laughs> also fair. Um, with harpoon guns. They yeah. stop a plane with harpoon guns. And their own little dinky cars somehow weigh it down. On a 90-mile <laughs> runway. Not, it's probably longer than 90 miles. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Uh, you guys can talk about this sequence for a minute. Somebody did the math. I remember reading it. How long is the runway? You guys can talk. I'll be back. Um, I, but... <laughs> If you suspend disbelief, this sequence is fine. You know, we it's led to this point. You know, this is the big getaway. You know, the cars are going to get onto the plane and fly off. And it's just, you have to suspend disbelief. It is, it's so, it's so action-packed though. Like you just, there's a lot to it with the harpoon guns. Just suspend disbelief at this point. This I is the movie. You have to. You have can, to. Can we just have that if be implied? Sixth, implied. Yeah, if you, you go need to, to the suspend disbelief. And, and this is this is where you start. Like for us to get to Fast and Furious Nine when they're in space, it starts here. <laughs> this is Wait, where they're in space. Just this way. <laughs> this is this is where we where we. <laughs> 
works. Is, it works. It works. It really does. Uh, but this is where we have to start start just enjoying it. And, and it's fine because it is a very well-crafted, um, it's a very well-crafted fight sequence, you know, and, and flight sequence. I don't know. You know, whether it's the, the crew on the outside trying to stabilize the ship so the crew on the inside can can rescue Mia because Mia's been kidnapped at this point. Um, you know, to to bring them back out to to try to stall and get time. You know, this is where Giselle sacrifices herself for Han, and then Han takes the guy from the raid and tosses him through a uh, plane engine, which causes the <laughs> I plane love to crash. that. That yeah. throw is so. <laughs> yeah, it's, good. it's so good. It's like you, 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 you kill Gagado, eat shit. <laughs> There, it's it's sort of sensory overload with how it much really is going is. on there. Like, they, I understand they want to intertwine everybody who's important in this sequence because everybody's important to the so- series. But it, it almost goes on a tad bit too long for my liking. Yeah, like like I think I the interior that. fighting stuff. It's just they could have probably cut a few minutes out of that, and I would have been. They could have cut well, about the, the fifty miles off the tag team. Like, mm-hmm. What do they call that? Finish? Well, you got the flying headbutt. You've got yeah, the, yeah, the flying, the flying clothesline. Like, there's just all these WrestleMania. But, rooms. I, I just, I, but I love the squaring up. Like, I love the the Shaw and the is Kim Cole. I think his name is the, the yeah. huge guy. You have the squaring up between them, and then Vin Diesel and The Rock, and just like yeah. it's like the last shot we get of the two of them together. I think for a long time, seven. I think is where they started like not wanting to be on set together. Um, but like. All right, we're gonna fucking throw down. Like I love that, but at the same time, I totally agree with Joel. Uh, because because it goes on so long, that's how we have statistics. Like I just found that runway would have to be between. It's not as far as we thought. Not even close. Um, eighteen point three seven miles and twenty eight point eight three miles. But mm. for reference, the longest runway currently is only three miles long. So it's still okay. a massively long runway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of all that like kind of overstuffed sequence that's why the runway gets to be so comically long because we have to pay off all these showdowns and i get it i like yeah. it it's fun and kind of like what i said in the beginning of the episode where if this is justin lynn's last one it does kind of feel like that grand final fireworks display my you know my quip through to this you know they're sitting there driving on these wings that are hooked on by tensile cord and they want people to jump out of a moving plane onto a moving vehicle. Like, here's how that's going to work. The car's going to keep going. You're just going to go straight down. Like (laughs) (laughs) you need to get enough. You need to jump forward. And even then I think you're going to miss it. (laughs) But they jump behind the engine and the engine wash pushes them. Suspend disbelief. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't suspended disbelief yet, you have to remember that plane is about to come down and Vin Diesel's going to drive a car through the nose of it. Yep. yep. <laughs> this, is, this is definitely where we get it. But, you know, and like, yeah, demand- because military planes, uh, military planes are famously weak, yeah. very weak, especially in the front of the plane, like the part that has yeah, to go yeah. through the wind and like take all the brunt of it. Yeah. Like and the bottom, less. which is which I, is going to be the thing that's going to get shot at as well. The bottom of military planes is famously weak because they want bullets to be able to penetrate it like it's yep. tin foil. Yep. But a NOS powered harpoon gun, straight through. <laughs> now, the government I, never expected that. They really I, I just, <laughs> what's great? What's great about this sequence though is yes, it is sensory over. Yes, it goes too long, but we get the payoffs. You know, yeah. you see the big guy get taken down by the Rock and Vin Diesel. Um, Shaw, they're they're both scrambling to get the chip before they have to get off, and 
you know, things are starting to go down. So Vin Diesel gets out, Shaw stays in, but then he hits the barrier and flies out of the vehicle. That's a good payoff. You see Kara get shot with a harpoon. Yeah. That was, that was satisfying. <laughs> you get all these satisfying endings. Like, okay, this is worth it. You know, yeah. there. That's yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying with like the, the fireworks show of it all. Like, yeah. it's like the complaints are valid, but they don't, for me, they don't detract. Like, it doesn't even take like a shave a point off. Like, the end text action scene, which is a 10 out of 10 for me, pretty much is. This stuff doesn't really even knock at that score because the rest of it's so good it, it is a minor quibble yeah, yeah. Um, well it's the thing isn't it it's like going you know you go and see guardians of the galaxy 3 for example yeah and it's like if you go and see that and you start complaining well wait a minute he's exposed to vacuum in space he'd be dead it's like you're not watching a documentary you, yeah. you're watching <laughs> an action film that you know it's it's not supposed to be realistic like you know even the films that are quote-unquote realistic they're still not actually that realistic as to how things would actually work yeah you know you can get very close to it but you know real is boring we want especially in action films christ like you know you look at die hard and say that's a pretty realistic action film because the scenario is realistic what happens in it is fucking ludicrous (laughs) but you buy it I don't remember Ludacris and Die Hard. I see what you did uh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, the guy, he's the guy on the radio. He's the guy. He's the guy in the limousine. Yeah. <laughs> he went really good as uh, oh, what's his name? Miles. Uh, yeah, I'm forgetting the guy's name in the limousine. I think it's Miles. I don't know actually. Limo driver. No, he's got a name. What's his fucking name? Now I don't remember. This isn't a Die Hard podcast, although it could. <laughs> It could be. Um, there's enough of them. Just saying. Uh, it's like three. <laughs> I'm not talking about six, man. Fuck. Or is it five? Either way, fuck that movie. Is that the one in Russia with Jack? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a fuck bad that. movie. Uh, <laughs> what? There's only three Die Hard films. I do not know what you're talking about. Live Free hey, Die Hard Tim- is a movie. Timothy Oliphant, man. I'm a villain supporter. Timothy Oliphant is fucking Argyle. I need to look it up. Argyle. Why can I not remember Argyle? Fuck me. And the but guy come full circle. I'm your limo driver. We come full circle with this because what's this worth to you when he gives the briefcase? It's like one, three, two, seven. <laughs> like, what the thousand dollars, you fucking cheap ass? <laughs> <laughs> Billion dollar. Chip. No, that's how many cars he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, though. I loved seeing the house at the end. Like it yeah, was a like, kind mm-hmm. of a nice, like, ah, we're back. This is kind of nice. And had this been the end of the franchise, like some people thought it was, I was kind of okay with it. Like it, it would have been an okay ending. Um, we all kind of knew it wasn't going to be because, you know, five was such a hit and then six ended up being more of a hit. And then fucking seven just into the well, no, we, get, we get our mid credit scene in this one. That's set up seven. Oh boy. It's that. Does it. We um, got to get the baby oil. Yeah. So, the movie's done. We, we've uh, we've saved the day, and we're finally back to the family barbecue. And fucking hell, film's greatest spit take happens. Uh, Impromptu. What's oh that my plan? Like, oh my god, is it funny? Um, I, I did you somebody write down the lines? I've never even written them down because it just always makes me laugh. Then I forget to write it. I, down. I know what it is by heart. Hey, oh, go for it. What, what was it? Oh, so, Tyree. I didn't write it down, but I know what it is. So, so Tej 
sees uh, Hobbs coming, he goes because earlier he made a thing about baby oil. No, it's Roman. It's not Ted. Oh, it's Ro- oh yeah, Roman. So Ted does the spit take. Yeah, that's right. But, that's but right. Roman, Roman made a line earlier about, "Do you guys smell baby oil?" When he's sitting there making fun of yep. Hobbs, Hobbs walks behind him. Um, so he makes the comment, "Hey Mia, better hide your baby oil." Well, you better hide that big ass forehead. <laughs> the spit take from Tej. I mean, that line was not in the script. Neither of those lines were in the script. That was just Tyrese being in character and being a dick. Uh, <laughs> a Roman. So, I mean, that that worked, you know? And it did, and the best part is when he does that spit taste, like that genuine smile from Ludacris is fantastic. But Tyrese stays in character. He's like, I, I was just kidding. I was kidding, man. Like, <laughs> I was like, Forward ain't that big, right? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, the ending is just such a perfect setup. They get their pardons. You know, I know Ryan's pissed because a lot was it like whatever her name is. She's like, he's your man. Take him. He's fine. Um, it's dumb. It, it, it is. is dumb. Oh, it is. I don't it's think stupid. she knew she was pregnant there. She definitely knows by then. I don't think she knows. Even if she doesn't know she's pregnant, it's still dumb. It's okay. still okay. fucking stupid. Regardless. Like but, still you know, the most unrealistic thing in these films so far. Han, I agree. If you love somebody, you're gonna fight for him. But Han is, you know, Han's going to Tokyo. Everyone, everything seems right with the prayer, and the movie ends with the prayer. You know, like, okay, this is the perfect ending. You know, if this yeah. is it, like we think that it's gonna be all good and dandy. But then we get the glimpse into th- uh, into three, and we see that it is not an accident that Buick was not driving. You know, it, it didn't hit Han on perp or, or, or as an accident that. Cadillac was driven by someone with a purpose to take Han out to send a message to Toretto, and it was perfect. Deckard Shaw gets out of the card, played by Jason Statham, who becomes a staple, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, and he just says, Dominic Toretto, you don't know me, but you're about to. Fuck me, we have a good movie coming up. I thought that was the perfect lead-in. What a great way to end a movie. Like You think it's all fine and dandy, and then you get another big baddie that they have to deal with? Sign me up. And especially like as like an action movie fan, you know Statham can just bring the best like yeah. evil cheese. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just so good at eating scenery in the best way possible. And it's like, oh, he's gonna be a great fit for this franchise. Like, holy shit. His introduction to the next movie, I'm not gonna spoil it, but is oh my so god, good. favorite <laughs> of this entire like if we do a moment, that very well could be my number one. But I, we'll We'll talk about that when we talk about that. It's definitely the best character introduction in the whole yes. franchise. Yes. Um, but yeah, like end credit sequence. I am so excited for part seven. But like I was saying, if this had been the end of the franchise and they didn't throw that in there and it just ended with that prayer and like the final line of thank God for fast cars. Yep. Been, I would have been okay with it. Like okay. it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would have worked. It's a great last line to yeah. a series which has been about fast cars, really. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a it's a really good like tying tying the knot really on on that sort of thing and it ties the knot on the justin lynn side of it because he knew he yeah. wasn't doing seven so like this really felt like him saying goodbye granted they get him to come back for nine and then he was going to do 10 but apparently got a weekend of filming 10 and went fuck this i'm out <laughs> it's like oh really oh yeah apparently he said this job is not worth my mental health and quit <sighs> just quit on the spot and was like doing like a George Costanza level, like I'm just so fucking mad, I'm quitting. And the studio just went, all right, fine, I guess you quit then. He's like, oh, I, oh, I guess I did quit. <laughs> End of that. Oh, wow. Then. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. I was thinking, I was thinking, like, well, maybe he'll come back for like the sequel. But if he quit because of that, it's like, oh, he's done then. 
Yeah, he and uh, apparently Vin Diesel is a lot to handle in these later movies. As soon as they lost no. Paul Walker, he went a little went a little nuts. No, um, Vin Diesel's got an ego. No. <laughs> dude, no. When no, dude no, no, goes no. off and makes individual films, he they're horrible. So he knows he has to hold on to his franchises, whether it's Riddick or Fast and Furious. And so that's like the only way he's going to make money because anything else, well, I guess you can call Marvel too, but he says three fucking words in a varying tone. But either way, the <laughs> franchise guy, he knows he has to have some type of creative control. And that's why he becomes more of a producer. And that's six why yeah, he says, he says, he says, he says six and group, three. We are group. Oh, sorry. Seven words. You just gave me another one. What's the other one? I, I can't. I, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the new one. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> okay. But he's got seven <laughs> words now. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, it's just, he, he takes creative license with the production of these movies. And I can see how that can be a little bit, interesting and i also like you, you as much as annoying as it is and you know he's a butthead he's totally a butthead i calling it out at the same time he has a franchise that no one has ever believed in and it just kept succeeding and he is the front man but like it or not like as much as we want to say paul walker is like the co-star to this or even another leading man of this it has been vin diesel on the front poster in every movie except two of them that he wasn't in this has been his franchise. So like as much as we want to be annoyed about it and call him a butt and all this stuff, long and short of it is no Vin Diesel, no Fast and Furious. Yeah. So like he does have some validation in his buttheadedness. I just wish it wasn't <laughs> so buttheaded. I'm going to keep saying butthead. Um, <laughs> works out well. Uh, all right, Biff. <laughs> <laughs> butthead. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else we need to talk about in this thing before we start going to our favorite moments or quotes? It's like a solid no. All right, so uh, I went first last week. I'm going to make Joel go first. Joel go first, because he has a look on his face of, I don't want to go first. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, it, it's tough for me to pick, because there's the thing about this movie is there's a lot of great moments and a lot of great lines. Uh, Tej saying, uh, guys, they got a tank. The, the line is one thing. He looks like he's about to cry. Yeah, the way he says it's fantastic. It's just he sells the hell out of that line. Yes, he it's does. Just like, and it's the beat though, because it's like, like, guys, we gotta come up with a different plan. They got a tank. <laughs> and it's like you can see the cogs going in his in his head where he's just like, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> Uh, there's the moment where uh, Hobbs is interrogating that dude and just starts beating the absolute oh, crap British out Vin of Diesel. him. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and the officer goes, "Is that legal?" And then Riley goes, "No, but are you gonna go in there and tell him?" <laughs> <laughs> and you then... see, like as he walks out, you just see what's left of the interrogation room. As well. Some poor janitor's coming by and just going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> And one last one real quick is uh, it's just we already talked about it, but the end of the fight with Roman and Han and, and Roman says, no one needs to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that they've never brought it up since. They really, they hold to that. No one knows about it. Um, well, Han's dead, so, you know. Well, yeah, but it still would be great just for like, hey, by the way, like, if I would just kill to see a scene with Tej, like, hey, Roman, I got the security footage from the underground. <laughs> it would be such a great, great payoff. Um, since I'm already talking, I'm going to jump in with my line. Uh, 
my, my line comes from Roman and Han. Like they have very good chemistry. You better not steal my shit. I'm guarantee I'm taking it then. Yep, yep. Um, I think you're stealing mine as well. Well, I was going to let Ryan have it, but since you both have it, then I'm going to go back to taking I it. I got a backup. Um, okay, great. So it's Roman and Han. They're talking, uh, it's, uh, Giselle, uh, talking yep. about Giselle <laughs> yep. and yep. <laughs> Roman like, Oh shit. Like you're actually in love. You love. And he gives him this whole spiel of you got special plans. Big day. You're going to call us all out. Better make sure you got a big rock, man. Yeah. She doesn't look like <laughs> she'll be easily impressed. It's not a big rock. You better be big somewhere else. You know what I'm talking about? And nudges and laughs and Han just politely smiles, looks. That's why all your girlfriends wear such big bling, huh? See, apart so yes. good. Yes. And apart, I was going to say, too, I like when he makes fun of Giselle. I don't, I don't know, man. That's, that was disrespectful. And I don't like the way she said it, like, he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then he goes into that spiel. Like, I was, that whole sequence is just good. But I got something to back that up. Okay. Go, go ahead, then. Uh, uh, my favorite is when he's talking about smelling the baby oil. And, and he goes... I thought that was our last job, Brian. So what? We work for the Hulk. What? Are, what <laughs> that's what we're doing. Why do I smell baby oil? And the Rock comes in and goes, "If you keep running your pie hole, you're gonna smell an ass kicking." <laughs> God, you just took my backup quote. Yes. <laughs> Man, the, the Rock is the most sweaty dude I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. Just dripping every time you see him on screen. Whole and movie. he's in London. Yeah. Why is he sweating in London? <laughs> Good lord. All right, so <laughs> Joel to his third. <laughs> Brian took my main one. <laughs> Ryan took the backup one. So I guess I've got to use the backup, backup, backup. <laughs> and it's just plan D, just, E, F, and G. We're running yeah. out of alphabet. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's the bit where uh, <laughs> they're talking about like you know the crew and all this stuff. And Brian's like basically says, This is a whole different level. And then you just see Roman go, we're getting paid, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my backup was the it's on a house thing. But we already talked about that. So I guess I just had to step on taking both of yours. Which I, I think, yeah, everyone, that's more of a moment than a quote. Because it's take? just. Is everyone's favorite moment this big take? Like, I, that's my. Favorite. Oh, yeah, that, that was my favorite moment. Like, how would it not be? Because it's yeah. the fact that it was. I really nerd out for those like. Improv accident one. improv yep. moments that make it into films every time it happens in a movie and i learn about it i go nuts my my favorite will always be almost famous that one is so good um but those moments are just like they're just great and this one happens to be a really funny one and it's like mm -hmm. i'm fucking in um almost <laughs> famous one is just very very sweet and it's like oh that was just it ah you know teary-eyed over here um i think it's time for plugs right we done it? We done it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, I was just looking at my notes. I'm like, do I have anything else to talk about? Nope. I think I'm good. Uh, this show, every other show in the HH network, be sure to check out hhpod.com, including uh, Damage Boost, which has been really great lately, and Demon Days, which I uh, I love being a bullywug for that show. So be sure to check out the actual play DD podcast. That's all I'm going to say. Afterthoughts podcast is a book club with Kelly. We're still booking it. Uh, Super GG Radio is a podcast about video games I and mean, all things adjacent. Uh, Brian, I does, I'm still playing Retro Bowl, man. Hell yeah! <laughs> so, I, oh, I every I tell you what, kids baseball games. There's a lot of downtime, yeah, and uh, that that helps. That helps. And Retro Bowl is a annoyingly fun game. 
It is. It, it's just it's pocket Madden meets uh what was the NES game? Uh there's an NES football game that's like very simple. Yeah. I can't think of the name. Oh well. Well you can catch me on the front row network. <laughs> <laughs> uh where I do a lot of various shows, but I, I am the host for Front Row Flashbacks where we talk about movies from the eighties, nineties, and early two thousands. Uh, we did bring him up, but we are going to be talking about Bloodsport for the month of June. So we will talk oh. about that. So there's that. Just talk about Bloodsport for the whole month of June. We do one movie a month. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you say, there's not that much to it, is there? That's, that's no, a tight, really like, 85-minute movie. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Great movie, though. I fucking love Bloodsport. It's been a... It's been a- Maybe we can have you on. Seen it actually, and, and the unofficial sequel, The Quest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme wanted to make another movie, spiritual sequel. Yeah, he didn't really know how to make other movies, so he just made The Quest, and it's just Bloodsport again. Yep. <laughs> Saw it in theaters. He plays a mime in the beginning of the movie. Jean Claude Van Damme as a street mime. Like yep. this movie is amazing. <laughs> Everyone needs to see The Quest. <laughs> Uh, any other plugs? The quest from the sounds of it. <laughs> the name was Tecmo Super Bowl. There it is. I, I, I thought it was just called Super Bowl, but I didn't want to say that because it sounded wrong. Damn it. We've given him enough time to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, there is a chance because I am uh, leaving the country here in two days that our schedule gets a little wonky and we miss next week. But tune in next time is all I'll say when we talk about Furious 7. Uh, we'll figure out the schedule on our end. If we miss a week, I apologize. But Furious 7 is coming, uh, and it's a, it's a fucking awesome movie. It's a lot of fun. James Wan did a really good job with what he recently said was the most difficult movie of his career. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. And, uh, bye. 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 Bye.